Welcome to the Job Shop Show, where we talk with the owners, suppliers, partners, and customers of custom manufacturers. Listen and learn the secrets of top-performing job shops, the tools, techniques, and backgrounds that have made them successful, all in the quest of raising the bar for custom manufacturing. I'm your host, Jay Jacobs. This episode is sponsored by Paperless Parts, connecting buyers and suppliers of custom manufactured parts. Making parts is a challenge. We all know that. But luckily, you don't have to go at it alone. Paperless Parts is there for you and has a publication called In the Shop. In the Shop features stories written by manufacturing leaders who, like you, are tackling these difficult challenges every day and sharing the solutions they've discovered along the way. You'll hear from people such as the founder of a small family shop or even the president of Mastercam, all who give us the tribal knowledge and tools we need so we don't have to reinvent the wheel in our own shop. You might even come across one story in the shop from a tech expert who has advice on digitizing that area of your business that is keeping you up at night. Another might be written by a shop president who's successfully hiring right now amidst the labor shortage. Whatever the topic and whomever the author, if you're in the world of manufacturing, I guarantee there's a story in the shop that you'll relate to or find helpful in some way. Head to paperlessparts.com forward slash in the shop to check it out. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to get the story sent for free straight to your inbox. Shazam! This is Jay Jacobs. Welcome to the Job Shop Show. This episode is different than previous podcasts in that I am starting a mini-series with Jeff Gorman of Paperless Parts. One of the areas I truly enjoy exploring and tweaking is pricing. I wanted to grow rapid to meet the demand for our services. And the way to do that was through profits. Profits fueled growth. The hiring of people, the buying of equipment, the expanding of facilities. We grew on average 32% per year from 2010 to 2017. Maximizing profits comes from maximizing pricing. And there are so many nuances of pricing that can all come together to deliver that final price or estimate that is given to a customer. Too high and you don't win the work or enough work. Too low and you win too much work and don't make money. So why Jeff? Jeff's role at Paperless Parts is as a customer success manager. His job is to work with customers after they have started using the software. He has spoken to hundreds of shops and with every level of team member from an owner to a machinist and obviously the estimators. He has a bird's eye view on what's going on in shops and an up-to-date perspective, what's going on now. Jeff works closely with our customers to ensure they're maximizing how they use paperless parts. From collaborating on pricing strategies and formulas to providing analytics through reporting tools, he helps identify ways for shops to improve estimating. He's the guy a user calls and asks, how do I do this? Or can I do this? For example, can I implement floor pricing, which is something we will talk about on a future episode. And there are a bunch of common questions Jeff has identified, which we will cover as well as unique pricing applications of paperless that just can't be done with spreadsheets or ERP systems. That to me is the most exciting, putting a tool in users' hands that allows them to create a pricing model that reflects their shop's unique approach to running their shop and accounts for something that is important 
but not possible with old pricing tools. If I sound excited, I am. Pricing was a backbone of rapid success, and I want to get these ideas out to you. With that, let's get going. Welcome to the Job Shop Show, Jeff. Thanks for having me, Jay. Pumped up to be here. I am so excited. The idea of this podcast came about from you and I talking and essentially maybe more me than you, but I, I just geek out on pricing. I love, I love pricing. I, I hate it when, and as a introduction, when I started rapid, I did all the quoting and I hated leaving money on the table. And I also hated when I got burnt by not seeing something in the quote. And initially I was using Excel spreadsheets, but primarily the quoting in an ERP system. And I wasn't able to capture a lot of things that came up over and over again, because that's not what they're designed to do. And in your role, which I'm going to have you explain in a moment, paperless parts and the P3L language we have are just so flexible on allowing a user to understand the cost of a part, which is totally different than the price that you might want to put on a part. So we're going to dive and we want this to be a recurring talk between us because there's so many different flavors of pricing and things we can talk about. So we want this to be a recurring episode. We're going to dive into the nitty gritty of each one. This one will be more of an intro. We're going to talk about some of the bigger concepts and maybe we'll dive into one specific one. But could you tell the audience, Jeff, what, what's your role at Paperless Parts? What do you do every day? Yeah, absolutely, Jay. So at Paperless Parts, I've got to work with a, a ton of different customers. So for those who I haven't had the privilege yet to work with, I'm a customer success manager at Paperless Parts. And what that means is I'm kind of taking ongoing care of our customers and uh, ensuring that we're delivering on our promise to uh, them and also to help kind of field any needs, requests, ideas that come up and do whatever I can to make it happen. That might be doing hands-on implementation with the customers, uh, helping to modify pricing formulas. That might be helping to work with our engineering team to communicate bugs, issues that come up you know, in the software day-to-day, -day, just like any other software. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also fielding feedback from our existing customers on things that they'd like to have available to them in the tool and relaying that back to our product development team and, and understanding what needs to be done to deliver on uh, those requests. So kind of get to do a lot, of, a lot of different stuff, but it's all centered around helping to improve paperless parts um, for our customers. And one big aspect of that is relating to pricing in particular and costing in particular. What types of formulas can I write to parse information off part files and plug those into costing formulas? Um, and how can I do that sort of most efficiently? So there's a whole lot more that goes into paperless parts. But as you said, Jay, in, in, in particular, there's a large amount of things that, that we can talk about in terms of costing and pricing uh, as it relates to part files, processes, and so on and so forth. What I love is that you have such an overview and you are working with some of the most progressive customers that we have when they 
see the power of the P3L language and they uh, say, I've done this with it, but can I do this? How would I implement that? And things that you have never been able to do before, literally, even at Rapid, we couldn't do some of the things as easily as paperless parts does, or even at all. So this is what's so exciting to me is you, you can go down a rabbit hole of however deep you want to fine tune the pricing engine that you are using to create that price for the quote, where you want it to end up and hopefully not leaving any money on the table and also protect your downside. Maybe we could start, Jeff, with the, I look at it as some levers. You, again, you, you want to protect so you don't ever lose money on a part and let's call that defensive. And then you want to propel and maximize the upside of the price. And let's call that offensive. Maybe you can give me some ways that a customer can use the pricing engine that paperless parts to protect so that they don't lose money on parts. Absolutely. So as you said, Jay, you know, you can get super, super granular with, with all of the different pieces of feedback and features on part files um, and, and data about that part that you might use to implement some sort of rule to help you cost out the part. But before we get into those, the, the thing that comes to mind or the type of things that come to mind for me are, are mm -hmm. much more general and high level. So before we even look at any geometric data associated with the part that you're quoting, um, we know a whole bunch of stuff about it. We know what material it needs to be made out of. We know what type of manufacturing process or processes we might right. be um, mm -hmm. making that part with. We know what types of finishes we're having done to that part or, or maybe doing in-house. So that's the type of high level information that you can first look at to try to implement some sort of defensive pricing logic. You also know who you're making that part for. So when we think about uh, material, we might not want to outlay a certain percent of the job on material costs because uh, we know if we're going and spending a whole bunch of money on material and that job doesn't work out, uh, we've, we've likely just had a sunk cost uh, in material. I want to give an example. So, at, at, yeah. yeah, at Rapid, we set it up so that we never would allow material and purchase components outside services to be more than 40% or, or of the, the price quoted. And that was because if we had to remake it again, we wanted to be protected. That 40%, I know some shops will go to 50%. Some shops don't even look at it, but that, that's a great example of being defensive. Another way that you could get defensive is quantity. When you're working with low quantities, there's not too much room to increase savings or improve processes. So you don't have too much iterative kind of approach with how you're, you're going to go about making that part. And again, if you get it wrong, you don't have too much room to make up for it. Rapid was all about small quantities. And one of the things that a shop who does both low quantity and high quantity, we came up against competitors who didn't charge for engineering when there were high quantities. But if you are making only five parts, you better be charging for engineering or you're not going to make any money. Or at least 
if you are giving that to the customer to get your production by, then my feeling is you should know at least what your real cost is to make the prototype, even if you're discounting it from there. Yeah. Now that you mentioned that side of it, I'm starting to think that could be an offensive pricing layer where <laughs> you've asked me about a defensive pricing layer. So yeah, well, I guess they, they can go both ways. I know that another one is the way for quantities is minimums, right? And that's hard to implement in an ERP system. You have to remember what your minimum is. Totally. I've seen customers implement a, a pricing structure that doesn't even consider the geometry of the part that's being made. And what they have set up is a floor price uh, for, for small quantities. So let's say mm. it's quantities, you know, 20 and less. So one through 20, we've got a table view. And for each quantity break, you know, one, two, three, four, five, so on and so forth, all the way through 20. In the next column is going to be a minimum floor price to produce any part, regardless of its geometry, a mm. minimum unit price. So that's and, even before you start looking at anything, that's the price that shows up on your quote. Exactly. And then there's going to be a, a geometric approach to pricing that out where the customer is going to drop in that part file to paperless parts. Their standard pricing logic is going to get applied to it. But if that floor price is not achieved, we're going with the floor price and offering that to the customer because we know that it's not worthwhile to put that part through the shop at, at quantities, you know, one through 20 for, for less. So this is a great example where we can calculate two different prices and then take, in this case, the greatest price. You could also technically do a less, the lesser price, but that is, you can do it in Excel, but if you start looping things like that in the Excel spreadsheet gets complicated pretty quickly. And I haven't seen it done in an ERP system. So seems pretty basic. You want to calculate a price two ways and, and take the, the greater. How do you do that unless you have a system or a pricing engine that gives you that flexibility? Yeah, exactly that. And you're, and you're right, Jay, you can get that done in Excel, but um, the biggest problem there, like you said, it's just going to be clunky formulas. But the other thing is it's not going to be very visible when you go and hand that off to a coworker or when you go and hand that off to someone who's requoting that job in a year, it's going to mm -hmm. be hard to unpack what went down in that Excel sheet and, and kind of track back how you got to that price. So that's the other side of the coin there. I want to add one more to the defensive and that's variable markup. And this was really hard to do at Rapid, but I wanted to do it. And that is based upon quantity, specifically, I remember plating, that certainly there was a lot charge. And then if you exceeded the lot charge, the price you needed to adjust that for the quantity. And then if you are doing quantity 10 or 25, you may want to mark that up, say 30%. But if you're making a thousand pieces, do you really want to mark it up 30%? I always looked at sort of what I wanted to make as a minimum of margin for that outside service rather than, well, you, you take 30% times a thousand parts, you start to get expensive and there's a likelihood you're going to lose the job. And so the P3L language allows you to change 
based upon quantity, what your markup would be on a plating, for example. So any comments on that, Jeff? Yeah, definitely. So I, I agree totally with what you're saying. I mean, it, it doesn't have to be parts that we're talking about. You, you want to go buy one bottle of water, it's going to cost you $2. You're going to go buy a case. It's, it's less than $2 a bottle. So why wouldn't we do that in manufacturing? I've learned that this has been a problem for, for customers with their old systems. It's really hard to manipulate costing and pricing at a quantity specific basis in certain systems and tools or mm -hmm. just change one particular variable for one quantity break or degrade a variable as you increase quantity. Mm -hmm. um, so paperless parts makes it extremely easy to manipulate just about anything that you might be plugging into a quote at each quantity break, but in particular markups and margins. Let's bookmark specific markups because there's so much to talk about there. But I, I want to make first a comment on why defensive pricing and control of that is really valuable. And the reason is, is you put guardrails in place so that you can hire less experienced estimators and make them productive. And the knowledge that an experienced estimator, someone who's going to protect you in your shop, they're usually one of the most experienced people in your shop and therefore they're really expensive. What we would do at Rapid is we would hire three people, typically young men who maybe had a community college degree, sometimes only a high school degree, typically no manufacturing experience. And we would bring them in and train. We batch train. So that's why it's three. But we were able to quickly get them up to speed. And typically one, maybe two out of the three would make it. But we had the guardrails in place so that they could create pricing and then a supervisor took a look at the final price to the gut check to say, yeah, that's in line or it's not. And if it wasn't, then they would take the time to train them and, and explain what was missed. And even sometimes we would then modify the pricing engine that we had so that we would not get caught with that again. And we, we can talk about that later too. So obviously if you're listening, you're probably running into, it's hard to hire people and they're expensive. So if you can give someone an opportunity who doesn't have that experience, but still protect the shop, I think it's a win-win. Anything you want to say on how you're seeing customers doing that, Jeff? Yeah, it, it that kind of ties back to where I was heading there. And um, what Paperless does is for, for quotes and, and specifically for quote items, after you've kind of done your costing and, and done your pricing, we offer this preview section. And, and what this preview does or this summary section does is it sums up all the different costs that you've assigned to this part. So material cost, inside processing costs, outside service costs, component costs. And mm -hmm. this is great just for the purpose of that review step that you just talked about where you have a junior estimator filling out a quote and then a senior person coming in and taking a look at that. It's like the summary of a quote item and how you costed it. So if we're starting to see that this summary is, is not accurate in certain section, whether it be material is you know, too much, too high of a percent contribution to the total cost of the good. 
-hmm. that's where that senior person can start to say, okay, here's a, a type of rule that we can implement so that this doesn't happen again next time. And that's a good point is paperless also has workflow tools that allow a junior estimator to work with a senior estimator and make that productive. If it, let's say a quote is less than a thousand dollars or the quantity is less than something, whatever, whatever the rules are that you define the workflow tools of paperless has in can put some guardrails in place, but then also not bog down the senior estimator with having to look at everything. Right. And what that summary does is give that senior estimator person and to tie in the workflow section that you're talking about, junior estimator can assign a task to that senior estimator and say, Hey, this mm -hmm. quote's less than a thousand dollars or more than a thousand dollars. I need you to review it. So let's say I'm, I'm, a, I'm your junior estimator, Jay, and I've filled out this quote and you come in to review it and you see, okay, um, price looks a little low. Maybe my material cost is, is not high enough and it, it's only 8% of the job or, or something like that. And mm -hmm. I filled out the, the and I've fat fingered my material cost entry. Mm. Um, if by chance, you know, this quote got sent out without you seeing it would have been a big loss. What you could do is write in a rule to say materials never going to cost less than 10% of the job or right. 18, you know, whatever the percentage is. So that that's a simple example and probably not the type of rule that you would want to implement, but it's when you stack up those simple types of rules that you can start to really protect yourself from those types of mishaps. Yeah. So I want to get into specific markup, but real quickly, some of the offensive things that I love, the, the ways to maximize, or I guess maybe it's even protect, but we can change the price and essentially put a multiplier on it, say, add 1% if someone pays in 60 days, and maybe add 2% if someone pays in 90 days plus. So there's ways to capture the cost of money when someone's not paying you promptly. Same thing if there's, if they pay by credit card, you could multiply the final number by say two and a half percent to capture the credit card fee. So I love that one. The customers who require a lot of work. So you talk about tables, essentially we're talking about a database and our customers are in the database. We can have fields where we can tag them. And we know that General Dynamics always sends in prints and there's at least 10 pages. Well, that's gonna take a lot of extra work. We wanna capture and maybe put a multiplier on General Dynamics as a customer to capture that work. And then maybe there's a great guy we're working with at the company but the purchasing agent is PETA, a pain in the ass. So we put a multiplier, you know, we're marking up anything this purchasing agent sends in 3%. And I'm sure if you're listening, you have those experiences where you really want to charge a customer more, or maybe you do, but it's all intuitive. Whereas we can define it. And if Jeff had never known anything about this customer, we're protecting ourselves 
I guess, but also maximizing that upside. But let's jump into specific markup because this is, there's so much you can do here. I'm going to turn it over to you. What do you see with your customers? What are they asking for? Yeah, well, you, you just said it, but a big one that people are starting to ask for more and more is the customer or account specific markup. And mm. maybe it's even a little more broad than account by account. Uh, maybe it's industry specific. So if you're working with aerospace, that's going to be a lot more admin work and you know non-machine work than say you know making plastic consumer goods or something like that. So well, you just you, right there is a reason. There's, there's, a, there's a cost to quality there. You're the, to be certified for aerospace parts. There's a cost every year for that. So you want to capture some of that. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's really easy to bring this up in the discussion with gas prices lately, but the get mm. the cost of gas changes daily because they've got data saying here's the supply and here's the demand for this. I mm. know I can get more pennies for, for my gallon. So yes. I don't see many people doing that type of approach today. And I think that that's kind of what we're here talking about is, you know, why aren't we doing that in manufacturing as well? So you let, have- me, let me, let me give you a specific there. So at rapid, we saw that there was a specific seasonality to work and we had a global markup and every day we would review the demand and we would modify if necessary that global markup. And when we knew the peak times were coming, we would increase the global markup. When we knew there were slower times, we would bring it back down. But we used pricing as a throttle for demand. You may not be in that boat as a customer, but it's still good to have a lever to change upon demand levels, just like the price of gas. I, that, that's a great one that absolutely and very easily can be implemented, but it's hard and maybe a spreadsheet, it's okay, but a definitely ERP system more difficult. Yeah. And, and Jay, we're talking about getting defensive that, that might not necessarily have, that might sound offensive, but at the same time, you need to defend your shop's capacity hmm. um, and you need to keep, keep your volume where you need it to be. So that's a defense lever um, in that sense as well, if you ask me. Yeah. So what other specific markups are you implementing? Process-specific markups. So what manufacturing process or processes are required in order to produce this part? And that's a lever for a couple of different reasons. Some things are harder to do than others, right? So that's simple to grasp. But also you might be the only guy in the area with that new wire EDM machine, or you might be the only guy who knows how to work with titanium. Mm. So these are, are ways that you can use that as a type of markup lever. That reminds me, we had a power roller at the sheet metal shop and we had a couple guys who actually knew how to use it. That's a really rare skill now. And we would roll parts for other sheet metal shops. And we charged a lot of money for that because we could, because it was a lot less expensive for us to do it than the other shops to go and bump form it or something like that. I think this goes hand in hand with process in a way, but lead time is also another great lever for markup. So first off, what's the lead time requested from the customer? If, if they need this thing super fast, if they're knocking on the door begging for it, I can probably squeeze more money out of them. And so why wouldn't I? However, if this customer isn't 
lead time sensitive, then that might not be a great lever. So that's a real broad way to mark up for lead time. But think of lead time, though, also based upon the hours that a part might put into a shop. So quantity definitely impacts the amount of hours in the shop. So one of the great things that we can do, and I'd like to actually, Jeff, have you talk about how some of these specifically get implemented, but we could have a table and ranges of hours in the milling machine. And then we could have a baseline of say, it's five days for milling, but if it goes over 10 hours, then you add a day for every 10 hours, something like that, whatever your shop, however it runs. But if you got a thousand parts and then you're also quoting 2000 parts, the lead time is probably going to be different depending on how many hours are in those parts. And what is really cool is the formulas in P3L allow you to automatically do that and not think about it. You can adjust them, but they show up changed so that again, you are protected in not overbooking your shop. Anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I, I've seen lead time in particular get pretty complex from an implementation perspective. Um, but, you so, want it, but you want it to because yeah, there's so and, many variables that change lead time. Right. And it's, it's kind of exciting to talk about. It's also fun to implement from a P3L perspective. When you kick off a quote in paperless, you assign a process to a part. Let's say I, I'm going to assign three axis milling to this part, and that's going to bring in my operations or my work centers. And for the sake of this, let's just say I'm going to bring in my, my milling, my machining operation, and then I'm going to bring in deburring, and I'm going to bring in degreasing. So mm-hmm. those three operations are going to have a setup and a runtime associated with them. And then there's going to be a quantity associated with the job. From there, I can figure out my total hours that I'm quoting, basically. So I can sum up all my setup times, and then I can sum up all my run times and multiply it by the part quantity to get my total hours for machining and my total hours for setup. So now I've summed those together, and that's my total hours for the job, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe I have a one-shift shop. Maybe I have a two-shift shop. So if I have two shifts, maybe that's 16 hours of time in a day Mm -hmm. that I can put towards making parts and I can use that to figure out my, my true lead time. If my shop were dead empty, when you place this order, here's my true lead time. And then you understand what your backlog looks like. And then you have some padding for the things that come up that nobody knows about, but everybody knows about. And from there you can intertwine that into your pricing formulas and your markup percentage to say, really what we're figuring out is how hard are we straining ourselves with this project. And from there, you can use that to increment your markups margins accordingly. So for someone listening to help them understand, I want to, I want to talk about material and how we can play with that a little bit. And we, you use the word table. You can also think of it as a really simple database, but what we're able to do in paperless is create a table and say with material assign specific K 
characteristics to it? Is it easy to create a new table and paperless parts and then maybe a, a column for a shop rate that is attached to each material? How do you totally, do that? totally. So you could do just that. You could have your material table and let's say we're going to have aluminum, mm-hmm. we're going to have steel, we're going to have titanium, mm-hmm. or you could even have your specific grades of each of those materials and get that granular if you'd like. Yeah. Um, and then you could assign a shop rate next to that material for Mm-hmm. In general, you could set a shop rate for milling, shop rate for turning, shop rate for wire EDM for each of those materials. Or you could as- assign a, a complexity scale and multiply that so, by so, your one shop rate. So so what you're talking about is we're stacking these multipliers. So let's say aluminum is a is sort of a one. And I guess you could do it specifically. You could put in manually, put in a shop rate for each of those things. Or you could say... Aluminum is one, steel is a 1.2, titanium is a 1.7, and then you can multiply each of a, the standard shop rate. Okay, I'm $80 an hour for aluminum, so I'm multiplying the $80 an hour by the 1.2 for my shop rate for steel and the same for titanium. And why that's important is you think about the extra cost of cutting tools, for example, in cutting different materials. So you want to account for that. And that's what we'll use the word over and over as we're talking granularity, but we can get really granular in. And the cool thing is once it's captured, it's captured forever. But it also, well, I think I'm going to leave this for another episode, but I want to talk about how transparent the ability for the owner of a company who may not be doing the estimating, how transparent the P3L language is is so they can understand the pricing and how it's being calculated. Because as an owner, that's something I always wanted. I think we're going to wrap up today, unless you have any last comments on specific markups. My only last comment would be if if anyone is listening to this and is a paperless parts customer and is wondering how they can learn more about this stuff would be reach right out to our support team, support at paperlessparts.com mm-hmm. um, or check out our help docs and then reach out. And if you like to self-learn, we got a lot of good help docs can definitely get you up and running. So what if someone is not a paperless parts customer and wants to learn more? Where would you start with a demo or are there any of these materials available to them? As someone who works at Paperless Parts, I'd want to encourage them to get a demo. But you know, myself, I'd want to go and, and learn more on my own before I took a demo. So if, if you're like that as well, you could go to paperlessparts.com. We've got customer success stories there. So some larger customers, smaller customers, a great mix using different ERP systems, different you know old ways of quoting. You can go read about them and how they adopted Paperless and, and how that helped them out. And you can also go to our help docs, which will give you more technical specifics on how the software actually works and how you can write pricing formulas. Or you can go hit the big get demo button right on the center of the website and someone on our sales team will reach out and schedule a demo with you and go from there. So if you're listening, yes, this is about paperless parts and I am a co-founder of the company, but The reason I co-founded Paperless Parts is I wanted to bring these types of tools to shops because I know 
at Rapid, we had six software developers on staff. And I know most shops are never going to even have one software developer on staff. So it's really hard for a shop to create the types of tools that I had. And Paperless started from a blank sheet of paper with the latest technology and has implemented this pricing technique that is so far advanced than what we were doing at Rapid. And I wanted to share that with the American manufacturers and help shop owners really understand cost pricing and capture more value when they are quoting. So I hope that you have enjoyed this episode. If you have any specific things you would like Jeff and I to talk about, please put them in the comments. Uh, you can email me jay at paperlessparts.com. I'd love to hear from you. And I'll leave you with the questions. Are you maximizing your pricing? Are you leaving money on the table? If you have ever gotten burnt on a part, have you put in place an automated way that you will never get burnt on that type of geometry, material, whatever it is ever again? Because the tools exist today and these are the ways that you protect your shop and maximize the upside. Until next time, keep those spindles turning and those lasers cutting. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Job Shop Show podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to subscribe so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. You can also leave an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Not only do I read every single one, it also helps me understand what content matters most to you. Thanks again for listening to the Job Shop Show.